I preached last Mother's Day and uh, really haven't preached since then. And I had said to him, you know, I'd like to preach again this Mother's Day. And um, I've had like multiple sermons rolling around in my head, just multiple. And, um, you know, for many years, I preached every week to the kids. Um, But the kids are easy to preach to. You can get up there and, you know, have fun and joke around and throw pies in your face, pay people $5 to get their head shaved. Um, you know, like it's, it's like a lot different. But when you come before adults who have been grounded in their words spiritually for some years, some have been new in the faith, some study their word for hours upon hours and know, like know, some... Some have been maybe Christians for years, but maybe haven't really put a whole lot into their relationship with God. So we look maybe at people as being, you know, deep in in Christ, but really they're still on the milk, the infancy. But, you know, it can put a little bit of intimidation in you. Um, It can make you step out of your comfort zone. And I'll be honest with you, I'm out of my comfort zone this morning. I can lead worship. God has given me that gift of singing and, and just praising him, praising him. He's taught me through the years how to praise him. And next week, I'm going to preach again on Mother's Day. And it's the power of praise. And I've learned that. But this week, I'm teaching on the power of prayer. Because we got to learn that too. And I can honestly tell you, I was born in the church. I might have even went into labor, who knows, in in the church. But I have been in the church ever since I can remember. I have went through the Missionette Honor Star program through the Assemblies of God. Some of you who are in the Assemblies of God for a long time know what I'm talking about. And I'll tell you what, that is an awesome program that girls go through. And you learn the word You learn how to study the word. But you know, as you come into your teenage years, sometimes the peer pressure of of kids and and your friends, they kind of like get you at times. And I said to my husband the other day, I said, and I have no idea why I'm sharing all this because this was nothing of what I was going to talk on. And I said, Holy Spirit, just have your way today. But, you know, in, in eighth grade... I can remember standing in art class, and Lee Hatch, I have a terrible memory. So if y'all, you know me, you know I have a terrible memory. So if I remembered this and this boy's name, it affected me. Lee Hatch came up to me, and he says, come on, just say it, one cuss word. And of course, he said the word, which I'm not going to take your brain there. And he said, just one, just one cuss word. Come on, just say it. And I'm like, no, I will not. Because I had a relationship with God in eighth grade. I have just come through the whole Missionette Honor Star program. And I I loved, I loved all that. And I stood firm. And I said, no, I will not. I will not. And then something happened between my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year where I got involved in basketball, I got involved in in sports that pulled me away 
from my Wednesday nights at church pulled me away. And even though my parents are godly parents and they raised me in a godly home, because they wanted to see me do well with my peers and my friends and my sports, because I was, I was pretty good at basketball. In fact, I could have had a scholarship if I wanted it, but I, but I ended up hurting my knee. And so I came away from being amongst my peers on Wednesday nights. I came away from being taught on Wednesday nights. And, and you know, the preacher on Sunday mornings, he was a little bit like more advanced than what my ninth grade brain could understand. And so I sat there in church, and if you ask my parents, they were so embarrassed because I would sit there with my feet up on the, like the little thing, and I was like this, falling asleep. And my mom would say to me, oh, I hope Pastor Bull doesn't look our way because she was embarrassed. And guess what? Nobody... In my, my high school years, nobody had to ask me again to cuss. Nobody cared because I was. Nobody cared that I was going to the parties. And because I was diabetic, because I had got diabetes in seventh grade, though, and I was conscious of that, and I knew that I did not want to abuse my body and hurt myself, I did not drink. But... To look good, I would stand at the parties with a beer in my hand. Nobody knew I didn't have to drink it, but I wanted to fit in. And so as I came through high school, and trust me, I made mistakes in high school. I got involved with a, a boy who was not a Christian, who did not, he was not at all a Christian. And I ended up getting involved in things that I wish I never would have got involved in baggage that I carried guilt because I knew what was right but I chose not to do it now I know in James it says if if you know what you are to do that is right and you don't do it it's sin and I knew what I was to do but I didn't do it so where does that lead me up to my my freshman year of college, and I was dating the same boy, and I would take him once in a while, I would take him to new life, and he would like want to get out of there so bad that he would run to the car after church and he would put on ACDC <laughs> because he just wanted to get away from what he felt in there, wanted to get away because you know that when you live in the darkness, the darkness runs from the light. And he felt the light in new life. He felt it. I know he did. And so it got to the point where I was still dating him, and my parents couldn't say a word because they knew if they said a word against him, it would only push me towards him. And so they didn't say a word, but they laid in bed and prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed. And one night, I was at a party, a Christmas party, for his UPS guys. We were in the basement. And here's me. I know 
what I should be doing. Yet because the things of the world felt so good at the time, it's a taunting thing. And the enemy likes to deceive us and to entice us and then make us feel guilty because we're doing that, that we're not worthy of God's love. And my parents laid in bed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I'm at this party, and everybody's drinking and everything's going on. And the next thing I know is I look over in the corner of the room, and there was this TV on, and there was actually porn on the TV. And my insides started crawling. I had never in my life seen anything like that. And I felt so guilty. And I felt so dirty. And I felt so ashamed. And I, I went upstairs. And I'm like, we have to leave. We have to leave. And he's like, why? I said, there is porn on down there. And it's full of people. I'm like, I can't be here. I have to leave. And he's, he fought me. Jill, what's the big deal? No, it is a big deal. I need to leave now. Something, the seeds that had been planted in my childhood and the prayer of my parents that kept going up got me at that moment. And all of a sudden, the scales on my eyes were removed. And I am like, what am I doing here? God loves me. It doesn't matter what I've done. I come before you, Lord, in repentance and forgiveness of my sins. I am so sorry, Lord. Freshman year of college. And this guy and I went home, and we had this huge fight. And he looked at me, and he says, well, you don't have any friends. You're right, because I've given my life to you for the last how many years and I have went your way, and I have been with all your unsaved friends who have taught me that, you know what, I'm just going to say it's okay. It's okay. I accept you because God loves everybody, even though you're doing wrong, even though that's sin, even though I'm not doing it per se, I'm still putting myself in a position where the enemy is going like this to me. And slowly but surely, he's grabbing me. He's grabbing me. He's grabbing me. And the things that I've learned in my childhood are going away because I forget about them. I'm not in my word. I am not praying to God. I'm not speaking with him at all anymore because I know I can handle it myself. And the enemy's just getting his hook in me and his hook in me and his hook in me and his hook in me. And my parents laid in bed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And that was the moment I said, no, I am going to go to church to singles group. You say I don't have any friends, I'm going to show you because I want friends who are not like your friends. I'm tired of feeling guilty. I'm tired of feeling dirty. I'm tired of feeling convicted all the time of what I'm in, what I'm involved with, what I'm watching on movies. I'm telling you what, 
You think going to a horror movie is just entertainment? It's not. The enemy's grabbing you and grabbing you and grabbing you and putting things in your mind that you think on, that you dwell on. I'm telling you, it is so easy to just say, this is life. This is life. And the whole time, my parents laid in their bed every night and prayed and prayed and prayed. So I started going to singles group at our church. And I started hanging out with godly young adults. Got to the point where I was like, I had friends. And I loved it. I loved it. I didn't have to worry about hearing cuss words as I'm sitting there. I didn't have to worry about hearing God's name taken in vain that just made me go, oh, even when I wasn't following him, I knew better. I didn't have to worry about any of that. I could have pure, clean fun playing euchre and eating pizza and going water skiing and just having fun with these people that I now realized I wanted to be more like. And Butch Kissinger was the teacher. Some of you guys know him of this young adults group. And they decided to go on a ski trip. Now, I was still dating my boyfriend at the time. But I was proving to him that I could have friends. I could have friends. He made me mad. I could have friends. And I wanted godly friends, not friends like his. And so we went on this ski trip. And the guys stayed in the upper, like, rooms. The girls stayed in the lower rooms. And there was this middle area of living space. And I can remember getting up in the middle of the night, and we were all having marshmallow fights, little mini marshmallows. I mean, we were just having fun. They treated me good. These gentlemen, they opened my door to get into the car or go into the restaurant, and I wasn't even dating them. They had no interest in me in that way. But because they were men who acted like Christ, they showed me respect. They showed me love. They showed me honor. And you know what? I came home that weekend, and even though I hurt my knee too that night, that day, I said, I want a husband like that. I want a husband like my dad. I want a husband who's going to honor me, cherish me, love me, take me to church, not run out of the church and play ACDC. I want a husband who's following after Christ. And so guess what? I came home and I never called my boyfriend. And he called me up and he's like, did you get home yet? I'm like, yeah, we're at the mall. We're having fun. And that was the last time I said, you know what? I think we need a break. I think we need a break. And, of course, my parents laid in bed and praised and praised and praised because God answered their prayer, and it took a long time. But I knew that I wanted a godly man. So today, with that start, I'm coming to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And Valerie actually sent me this text um, because it was her devotion the one day. And I read it, and I was like, wow, this has hit me so hard, this scripture. 
And here is King Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah. And he was a good king. He was a king that was trying to get the people of Judah back on track for God. He was getting rid of the Asher poles that they were worshiping. He was doing his best to lead God's people and trying to get them back on track. And so we come to this, this section of scripture, and this is uh, verse 2, but I'm going to read just the first two words at the beginning of verse 1. It says, after this. So you have to understand the setup here. The setup is, he's just done awesome things for God. He has just, like, you know, tried to reform the people of God. Now, in your life, as you are serving God and you're doing great things for God, have you ever come through a storm next? Have you ever come and faced trials next? Because, see, when you are doing things for God, when you are doing the work of the Lord, you have just stepped up your game against the enemy, and the enemy is mad at you. And he is coming at you full force. And so he, this is where this king is. And now the messenger has just came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazon Tamar. And this was another name for En Gedi. That's where David stayed out. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So here we have this king. Now, they say that where they, where they saw them at the Dead Sea was about 24 hours, about a day away. And all of a sudden, this king is like, oh, no, oh, no. Now, this king could have went to God and said, but God, didn't I just do all this reformation in your people? Haven't I done good things? He could have got bitter to God and said, I don't understand. Why aren't you for me right now? I am like doing your work. How many of us feel that way sometimes? But no, he didn't do that. So he, all of a sudden, is like, no. Everybody, come on. Come on, Judah. We got to go before God. I need you to fast. I need you to fast. You know, in the New Testament, the, the, the disciples came back and said, you know, why can't we cast this demon out of this boy? And Jesus said, because sometimes it needs done by prayer and fasting. There is something vital about fasting in your life. Because fasting means you've put everything aside of your human desire and flesh. And that gives God an opportunity to speak to your spirit man. So he says in 2 Chronicles 25 and 6, after he just summoned all Judah, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O oh Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. 
no one can stand against you. So he didn't come and say, God, this army's coming and we don't have the capability. There's three against one and I need you to rescue us. I need you to do something right now because I don't know what to do. Come on, guys, let's get our army, let's get our gear, let's get our swords, let's get our, our shields, let's get ready to fight. He didn't do that. He came before God with praise. He came before God with thanksgiving. He came before God with scripture of, you know, you, you have told our ancestors this. We know you are worthy. We've seen it in the past. We've heard the stories. You know, when you think of the word pray, um, you know, you, you think, you could say that P could be petitioning God. Because that's kind of what we're doing in prayer. But don't think of P as starting. Think of P as praising. Praising. Praising God for who he is. You know, in my life, I have been very devoted to reading my Bible. I have no problem opening up the word of God and reading. I love to soak in the scriptures. I love to absorb his word. But in my life, I also think I have a little bit of, ooh, because when I start praying, squirrel, see the movie up, you know, squirrel, because that's me. I get praying about something, and then all of a sudden, my brain starts thinking of what I'm going to do today, and my brain starts thinking of what needs done. And women, we of all people, we have a mind like a shopping list of, of things that we got to get done for the day, and we just kind of categorize them, and that's what we think about during the day. We organize our thoughts. So as we're praying, I would always go squirrel, and I'd be thinking about what I'm doing later. And so over the last couple years... God has really been working with me on this because I, you know what, I went before him and I said, God, I'm not content with my relationship with you. I know there's more. I know there's more. I know I can have more. And so I'm the one who said, I know, God, you're still sitting there, but I want more. I am wanting to get closer and closer. And so I have been working in my prayer life. And so what God showed me a couple years ago was that I needed to make up index cards of Scripture. And that when I come before him, I praise him, and then I praise Scripture. Because I've told you before, the enemy could care less about Jill Barton and what she has to say from her mouth, but he is afraid when I declare the Scripture and then I pray. He's afraid of me. And so I have come up with these scripture cards and they're battered and they're worn. And some of you have actually used these cards and have went with me different places that we've prayed. And I've handed you cards and we've prayed these scriptures. And so here's just one, 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That is truth. The enemy doesn't want you to believe it, though. He wants you not to believe that you have victory 
He wants you to walk from defeat to defeat. And God says, no, we go from glory to glory. We go from victory to victory. This is powerful. And that's just one of them. I have a whole bunch of them. And, and I pray these over people. I will pray these. And you know, right now, there's some in this room that I have prayed. Hold on a second. And my son and my daughter have used these cards to pray. The other day, we went and we used these cards to pray as we worshiped. And here's one that I'm praying over someone, and I won't tell you their name, but Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord, some versions are those who wait upon the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Do you believe it? It's the scripture. It's the promises of God. And when we allow ourselves to get in a mindset of discouragement, in a mindset of that we're not worthy, in a mindset that nobody cares, that is self-pity, and the enemy takes that and runs with it. And then he keeps you there. But when you pray this over yourself, he has formed you in your, his, your mother's womb for such a time as now. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. Plans to not harm you, but to prosper you. To give you a hope and a future. Come on. If he is for you, who can be against you? All things are possible for those who serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These are promises in the word of God. And what this is to rise up his children, to rise them up, to go out and do the commission that the Lord has told us to do. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Start in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I cannot reach your Jerusalem that's for you. And God's called you by name. And he has had you as sons and daughters. And you are royal priesthood. And you are to go into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But I'm telling you, starts with prayer, starts with praise, so let's go further now. In 2 Chronicles 20.12, it says, Our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We are looking to you for help. So after he praises God, then he goes and he reminds God of the promises. So you guys can read this because I've left some stuff out that's good. Go in and read 2 Chronicles 20. But he reminds God of the promises and how he brought them out of the land and he gave them the promised land. And he says, but God, are you going to let them take it back now? Like, you've promised all this. 
So, you know, praising him, and R, I like is remembering. Remembering how good God is. Remembering what he's done for us. Remembering the promises that we stand on. And so the next one then goes to 2 Chronicles 20.15. He said, so before we get there, he says, as they went before the altar of God, and all, it wasn't just the men of Judah. He brought the men, the wives, and the children. All of Judah came before him. And he got before the, the, the altar of God, and he, he praised him. He reminded him, and then he asked. And then the Spirit of God came upon a young man there. Now remember, this is Old Testament, so the Spirit of God would come upon you. Now, we have the Spirit of God in us because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the veil was torn from top to bottom. And the Spirit of God, when he arose to the throne, lives now in us. So we have opportunity to hear the voice of the Spirit 24-7. Aren't we lucky? Praise the Lord. So here he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, say it with me, but God's. But God's. How many times do we think that we are to do it on our own? How many times do we go into battle and we don't even consult God that we think we can do it all by ourselves? How many times is it that we maybe speak when we should have been quiet? How many times that we go into a situation that is a storm that's coming against us? And really, we need to say, but God. It's not my problem. But God, but God, come on, God, you're not going to let me down now, but God. So on further, it talks about how he gives them specific instructions. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. What are you facing right now? What are you facing? Are you facing? Maybe you're not facing anything right now. Maybe life is just going dandy. If it is, you better examine where you're at with God. The enemy doesn't go after his own. I know that's tough words, but the enemy doesn't go after his own. We should constantly be facing trials as a Christian. Constantly. Paul says, count it as all joy when trials come your way. How can he say that sitting in jail? Count it as all joy because he knows he knows that if the enemy's coming against him, he is doing something right for his Savior. 
The enemy knows exactly what buttons to push in you. Every single person in this room has a different, different trigger. Every single person. And I don't like to give the enemy credit for anything. But I'm telling you, when you leave yourself wide open, you don't prepare yourself with the word. You don't stand firm. You don't have a purpose in your life. I always told the kids as I taught them, your purpose in life is not to make the world more beautiful. Your purpose in life is to be and make disciples of Christ. We are to be Christ in human skin on this earth to teach people about Jesus. And it's your Jerusalem. I can't come to your Jerusalem. It's up to you. So today I just want to end with this power of prayer. And last night, I couldn't think of what the word of it is. It's an acronym, an acronym by text Valerie. I go, you're the teacher. What does it, what word is this? What's it called, you know? And so I had had praise, remember, ask, and the why I had blank. And she just texts back and says, yes, say yes to Jesus. And I'm like, well, that's good, but that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for it. What's, what's it is? It's an acronym. But I come up with this, Valerie. Praise, remember his promises. Ask, even though he already knows. And yell it from the rooftops. Because your testimony of how good God is can change somebody's life. A simple little testimony. So I'm going to give you a testimony just to see how simple it is. Last Saturday, my husband was pretty sick. Um, we think he has desert fever. Nobody around here knows what it is because you don't get it around here. You get it. It's endemic in Phoenix, Arizona. And we were riding horsebacks in the desert with a lot of dust, and you pick up fungal spores in your lungs. And some people don't have any symptoms, and some people can get very sick. And let me tell you, this man has been very sick. In the 22 years of knowing him, I've never seen him as weak, as short of breath, night sweats, nightmares, can't eat, chest pain, can't breathe. And I've never seen this man as strong in Christ. I am telling you, he didn't take this as an attack from the enemy. He took this as God allowing him to hear from the Lord in a time of weakness. He took this as a time to pray and fast and get before God and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. And I've watched him as his flesh has been so weak and I've told some of you who ask about him, his spirit man is the strongest I've ever seen it in our whole time of knowing each other. But keep praying for him because he's got a little ways of recovery here. He went running three miles almost every day on vacation. 
to now not even be able to carry the laundry from the bathroom to the living room without being winded. But you know what? God is good. And his faithful love endures forever. And through prayer and fasting, and people in here have prayed and fast for him. I'll tell you what, his spirit is alive and well. Alive and well. But as we end today, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging all of you. Make yourself some prayer cards. Because the enemy knows your button. He knows your weakness. He knows your temptation. He doesn't know your future. But he knows how to mess you up. And if you are not, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Take up the full armor of God daily. Not just once when you become saved. Daily. Because he knew that as you serve Christ and you become the person that God's called you and created you to be, and you go into your Jerusalem, and you teach your kids, the enemy will come against that. The enemy will come against that. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you prayed with your kids? Not just for over your meal. When's the last time you prayed with your kids? When's the last time you sat down and read from the word of God with your kids? When's the last time that you have taught your kids? It says, raise your kids in the ways of the Lord and they shall not depart. You can't expect your kids to learn it. One, if they don't see the example in the house. And two, if you're not teaching the example in your house. Kids learn by example. You're cussing in the house, your kids are going to be cussing. You're drinking in your house, your kids are going to be drinking. And maybe you're okay with having a glass of wine that you can contain yourself. But you know what, maybe they're not as they go through their high school years and college years. If you're watching bad movies in your house, your kids are watching bad movies. And you're allowing things to enter them that they should never be watching. We have to guard our kids. We have to guard them. Our kids are our most prized possession. And God gave my kids to me to raise. They're not mine. They're his. And how can I stand before the Lord and say, oh, that movie, it, it didn't affect them. And I'm preaching to myself, everybody. I'm preaching to myself because I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better daughter. I want to be a better wife. I want to be better at being the Lord's servant. And it all starts with knowing who we are in Christ, praying to have a relationship with him, praising him, 
remembering the promises of God, knowing how to come after the enemy, not with just begging him to rescue me from that journey or that that tornado that has just taken over my life. Rescue me out of it, God. No, help me to know, Lord, what you're trying to say and teach me in the tornado. Maybe, as my husband has said before in one of his sermons, maybe this tornado that you're facing is not from the enemy. Maybe it's allowed by God in order to get you back on a path that God has tried to keep you on that you've kind of strayed off of. So do you put your sail out and set sail to get away, or do you put it down and say, God, no, teach me. Lord, I humble myself before you. Because people who don't pray can become prideful. And God says, he doesn't like proud people. He favors the humble. I'll tell you what, this has been an awesome couple years journey for me in learning how to pray. And Teresa and I pray on Wednesdays. And we'll come on Saturday mornings and we'll pray. And I'll come sometimes and I sit in my hot tub and Nancy knows I'm almost late sometimes for meeting her to count because I get so involved with God as I am praying and listening to his word and praising him in my time in my sanctuary that I don't want to leave it to go do what I have to do. But I'll tell you what, Nancy, you know when I've had time with God, don't you? Because I sit there and I just chatter about the things of God. Chatter about it. Are we chattering about the things of God or are we just talking? Or are we hiding? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord. God, You are such a great God, and you are so worthy of our praise. And Lord, we praise you today with everything in us. And Lord, as we come before you today, Lord, and we're learning how to pray, God, how to have a relationship with you, how to know, dear God, when it is an attack from the enemy or when it's just you, Lord, wanting to wake us up a little. God, you care about everyone in this place so very much that you don't want any of us to fall short. So God, we just humble ourselves today, Lord, with adoration of who you are. Maybe God spoke to you today. Maybe he spoke something to your spirit. Something that I said affected you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's how you get led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe right now is just a time of just getting serious with God. Let's just spend a little time Thank you. 
I thank you for bringing me back to you, Lord. As I walked away for a season, Lord, I thank you.